0: Hey, 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 Lions of Liberty fans, this is Felony Friday host John Odermatt. Before we jump into today's show, I got an awesome show lined up for you today. You're going to love it. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about a free market alternative to your standard government-run, government-manipulated, government-regulated medical insurance. Now this is obviously the open enrollment period that a lot of people if you have your, your corporate job, you're picking your health insurance, you're setting up your HSA for next year and all that stuff. Well, there's an alternative to that and it's great for, you know, if you have a regular corporate job, if you're an entrepreneur, maybe you're a uh, contract worker or something like that. It's a flexible option. It's called Health Excellence Plus and Mark Claire of Lions of Liberty, the host of our Monday show, recently interviewed the co-founder of Health Excellence Plus. His name's Jeff Cantor. And in this interview, Jeff goes into detail and spells out exactly what it is, how's, how it works. It's an awesome description of this free market alternative to this government healthcare. So you can check that out at lionsofliberty.com slash health. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. This is the only, well not the only, but it is the uh, longest lasting, the original, Uh, Liberty Variety Podcast Feed, where we have three shows every single week, every Monday. A show hosted by Mark Clare, your longest-running program, your flagship program, where Mark interviews leaders in the liberty movement. Every Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land, hosted by Brian McWilliams, your weekly shot of uh, culture, comedy, and liberty. And every Friday, this show right here, Felony Friday, where I bring you interviews with felons who have suffered through the system and overcome great odds to find success after prison. I interview experts in the field of uh, criminal justice reform, DNA experts, lawyers, reporters, activists, all kinds of different people. And sometimes, some very special episodes, I bring you a solo show. That's right. I bring you a show where it is just me talking the entire time. And this happens sometimes. Sometimes I plan it weeks in advance, and I have a lot of stories that I want to talk about, and I say, you know, I got to do a solo show. Other times, you have two guests cancel in one week, and you're doing a solo show. And there might be other podcast hosts out there, might be other people, their names might rhyme with Crying McGilliams, who would say, you know what, I'm just going to, this episode might be a little shorter. That's what they would say. But no, not me, not me. I'm taking this the opposite way, flipping it on its head and turning this, uh, you know, unfortunate circumstance into an opportunity. And I'm going to turn it into an incredible experience for my listeners out there. Now, I have a great idea what I decided to do. I'm in the, you know, in the holiday spirit of this show. We're coming up on Christmas. I am calling this episode the 12 Felonies of Christmas. And if I had some nice audio and time to get it, I would put it in there and it would sound wonderful and um, I would create a, a song and a dance around it. But just imagine that happening because it's not going to. So for today's episode, what I have is I have different uh, stories from around the country. You know, some some crimes And we might ask, is it a crime? And should they do time? Um, I have some just crazy things that happen in the criminal justice system, and we're going to talk through them. And you guessed it, there are 12 different ones. So I've got a lot of stuff to get through. I don't want to hesitate. I'm going to jump right into it. You can read all of these stories. You can find them all by going to lionsofliberty.com slash FF206, and you should also know that I'm 90% 90% sure that every single one of these stories came from our news links, which we send out to our Lions Pride $15 per month uh, members and up. They get every uh, every weekday, they get these uh, news links sent out, uh, curated by our good friend at Lions of Liberty, the godfather of Lions of Liberty, Howie Snowden puts these together. Our VA packages them up nicely to uh, send them out to you guys, and you get them um, you know, every single weekday. So I pulled, I think all these stories from that list over the past couple of days, some just ridiculous stuff happening in the criminal justice system recently. First one I want to start with comes out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. So title of this is protecting your home with force could get you felony charges. And you know, Michigan, I have, you know, it's not my favorite place. I've, I've been there a handful of times. Uh, what's happening in Michigan people defending their home could face multiple felony charges if someone is shot and killed without adhering to proper specifications of how the law explains self-defense. Now I'm going to go into detail on a couple different aspects of that law that are just completely absurd. Now they they further point out in this law that the use of deadly force is defensible in situations where there is fear of death, bodily harm, or sexual assault. So it's okay to shoot someone if they break in your house, and you fear death, um, they are hurting you, or they're going to rape you. So basically, anything outside of that, it's not okay to shoot someone. But of course, if it was just that alone, you might say, okay, I can understand that. You know, fear of death is pretty broad. You're defending yourself. Bodily harm—you know, someone's attacking you. You're defending yourself. Sexual assault—someone's assaulting you sexually. You're defending yourself. But it's not that clear cut, my friends, because there are a bunch of uh, stipulations here, which make even those things um, not true a lot of the time, or not uh, not a defense a lot of the time, I should say. So, uh, the first one here: if someone is shot in self-defense, they must determine who the parties are, what, if any, relationship exists between those parties. And the purpose of what happened. So, deadly force may not be used against someone if they are the owner, the lessee, title holder, or have legal right to be in a dwelling, business on business premises, or in a vehicle. They own it. So, so um, you know, you could have. And I, I, I should actually let me go a little bit farther before I, before I state something else here because it's uh, very relatable. So, another part of this is incredible. I read read the whole thing. This is a part of the uh, the stipulations, um, you know, saying that you know the presumption set forth in the subsection here does not apply if any of the following circumstances exist. This is a little bit farther down. So the individuals against whom deadly force or force other than deadly force is used is the spouse or the former spouse of the individual using deadly force or force uh, other than deadly force. An individual with whom the individual using deadly force or other deadly force has or had a dating relationship, um, we'll skip forward here, has or had a child in common, skip forward here, or resident or former resident of his or her household. Um, or has a prior history of domestic violence against the aggressor. So basically, if you uh, dated someone, if you were married to someone, if you had a child with them, if you just had a roommate and they break in your house for whatever reason, they could be a lunatic, they could have lost their mind, um, they could be wanting to harm you for a whole multitude of reasons that you would have every right to defend yourself, but in this law, you cannot defend yourself because of those prior relationships. Or you can defend yourself, you just can't really defend yourself. You can't actually kill someone if they're trying to kill you if you have these previous relationships with them. Completely and utterly absurd. And I could talk about this one a lot more, but uh, it's the 12 felonies of Christmas. So we'll keep moving on. Next up, Taco Bell employee. Now this one is just absurd. So I mixed in some ridiculous ones here uh, (laughs) just just to keep us on our toes. So Taco Bell employee swung machete at a drive through customer's truck following argument at the speaker. Now, uh, I've actually heard some pretty ridiculous stories about things happening at Taco Bells between customers. You know, people cutting each other off and things of that nature, uh, threatening to cut each other, things like that. But this one involved a uh, Taco Bell employee. So this Taco Bell employee, this is in Texas, he was arrested Sunday after police say he swung an 18-inch machete at a drive-through customer's truck, this was after the customer uh, had trouble hearing him through the speaker. So, the Taco Bell employee identified as 21-year-old Samuel Hemmett was working the drive-through at an Austin location on Sunday around 5:40 p.m. And according to court documents obtained by the Austin American Statesman, customer pulled up to the speaker, but reportedly found that. Hemet, the uh, employee, was having trouble hearing his order. Hemet was then accused of swearing at the customer and telling him to pull around so Hemet could show you what I have for you. So the customer pulls up to the window. This uh, Taco Bell employee comes out wielding a large machete. God knows where he was keeping it. Was he keeping it inside? Did he have it just on his person as he's working the drive-free window? Was this the first person he's done it to? Has he done it multiple times before? And he comes out and he starts swinging it around at the customer's truck, striking the driver's side mirror. So he's swinging it at the person in the car, hitting the mirror, hitting the vehicle. And then uh, the uh, the employee, Hemet, was next seen on surveillance, hiding the machete in a, uh, in a dumpster. So maybe that's where he keeps his machete. <laughs> he, was being, uh, he was arrested and he is charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. The statesman reported he was being held on 15,000 bond as of Monday. So just a word to the wise out there. You know, I, I'm not the first one to notice, but fast food service has gone downhill. And you know what? I think it's the millennials. I'm just going to say it. Actually, it's probably not the millennials. It's probably Generation Z. Actually, you know what? Probably is the millennia, millennials who are working these fast food jobs, and uh, you know they have all this college debt. They can't get a better job, so they're frustrated, and they don't want to do the job. So they're providing terrible service, and uh, it leads to situations like this where they're on, they're at their wits' end, and somebody says the wrong thing coming through the drive-through. They say they can't hear you, and that's it. You just whip your machete out, and you take business in your own hands. Next story, 12 Days of Christmas, 12 Felonies of Christmas, third story. Instagram model confronts robber while naked, refutes claims it was staged. Um, Without going any farther here, I'm going to say 100% this was staged. But uh, just telling you the uh, circumstances of the story, uh, you're going to see why. So this is on... uh, Fox News and you know Fox News reports on stories like this just for the clicks. And I think the pictures of the Instagram model, a very attractive woman, are uh, about ninety percent of the uh, of the page as you scroll through and read the story. So they are, yeah, uh, you know what they're going after there. So this uh, Instagram model's name Danny Banks. She has two point five million followers. That's a lot of people. So she's probably making decent money. Makes you wonder, why would she stage something like this? Um, maybe she didn't. Maybe I'm wrong. So according to the model, when she she was awoken, um, her dogs were barking. She woke up. And of course, you know, when your dogs are barking and you hear someone outside in your apartment, first thing you do is you run out butt naked. You don't put pants on. So that's what she did. She runs out and she comes face to face with this intruder and allegedly... This is actual, it's on camera. She had dog cameras that were, uh, they were filming this. So they were pointing down at the ground. So you couldn't see anyone's face. So you can't see the intruder's face, but allegedly he, uh, sees her there. He's startled. Obviously, uh, she's butt naked and allegedly says, you know, open up your safe. He knew there was a safe. So maybe she was taking pictures with her safe on Instagram. Probably, probably not very bright. She opens the safe. It's empty. She, he uh, throws her down on the bed runs out of the apartment and uh, she reports this robber this uh attempted robbery breaking an entering. and she's gotten a lot of pushback for this a lot of people are saying it was staged and you know it would make sense to stage this it's a great way to get attention so that's why I think it's staged you can be the judge yourself you can read the article check the uh, show notes page lines slash ff207. Next story, number four. I talked about this a little bit this past week, I believe, on my, on my own personal Facebook page and I think in the Lions of Liberty Forum. It's got a sip of a drink there. And you can access the Lions of Liberty Forum by joining on Facebook, just going to uh, the search bar at the top, punching Lions of Liberty Forum. In that search bar, and uh, when uh, the forum comes up, click join. If you look like a real person and not a psychopath, if you can answer a simple question, then you will get in, and you can talk about stories like this one. Owner of a CBD store in Iowa is was arrested and is facing three felony charges for selling hemp oil. This is in Des Moines. And uh, Or actually, I guess, outside of Des Moines. The, the woman was uh, was from Des Moines. She's been charged with three felonies for allegedly possessing and selling CBD oil. Lacey Navin was charged with the crimes. This was last Wednesday. Um, despite uh, having operated her store since way back in, uh, I think, January of 2019, I believe. I think that's what it said. Don't have it in front of me. Um, yeah, January. No problems up until then. But what's happened is, Iowa has decided that they want to give jurisdiction on prosecuting CBD to the local counties. So, what you have are these psychopaths in local counties who have nothing else to do other than shake down people who are literally selling uh, plant oil that has zero psychoactive properties. Not that it should matter, but just stating she's selling CBD oil, isolate oil. Um, or not isolate. She's also selling the full spectrum that has the less than 0.3% THC. Not going to get you high. This is all just for people who are taking it to help with sleeping, help with anxiety, stuff like that. CBD oil is great. Um, helps with a lot, a lot of different things. Anyway, so what's happened here is, uh, she gets arrested. She's facing these felonies. Hopefully they end up getting dropped, but it doesn't sound that way because there's been some pushback from the media against the local police there. And this is what uh, they had to say. The task force doesn't pick and choose what cases they go after. They make cases on meth. They make cases on heroin. It's no different if you get stopped for speeding. That person complains, why don't you go after people that are beating their wives and fighting and stealing and all that? We investigate... A complaint, we follow the investigation until it's complete, and we let it run its course. So just to rein here for a minute, um, there's people out there, and you know, friends of mine on Facebook, and I've gotten in discussions or arguments, you know, back and forth where people have said things like, Well, if you don't like uh, the police, you should you know you should become a cop and change the system, or you should run for office and change the system. Um no, uh, how about, how about, uh, we just, just don't accept this type of behavior. Cause it's completely absurd. Uh, we shouldn't have to be become becoming cops to change the system. And not that that would even work. I don't think it would because when you're a police officer, you're having to follow the law, just like this, this officer saying here, and it's a valid question to ask, you know, and rather than the cop actually thinking about it, he's just putting out this, uh, this mantra you just you're just following the law, just doing my job, you know, just doing my job. Somebody speeding, got to pull them over, going 5 over, give them a ticket for $90, you know? Uh somebody's selling CBD oil, oh that's a felony, got to arrest them. It's it's just that that's insane mindset. Too many people out there that think that because something is a law, it's it's moral. They think it's ethical. And because of that, you get this uh This weird situation where people don't think things through. And that's how we get in this state. That's how we get in this mess where store owners selling a product voluntarily that helps people. There's no fraud being perpetrated. Uh, It's a mutual exchange, mutually beneficial. It's a voluntary transaction. And we end up in situations where someone is arrested for that. This is insane. <laughs> it's completely insane. I thought we were past this with CBD oil. We're not, I don't think we're, we're there yet with, uh, with other things like marijuana and other drugs. But I thought with CBD, we were past this insanity. Uh, it's clear that we're not, at least in the state of Iowa. And the sickest part, not the sickest part, but a sick part about this, this is Iowa. Guess what Iowa is? It's the state that has maybe the most amount of influence on who is the president. And people say, oh, the president's not powerful. Well, th- the president controls a lot of the influence in the country. And the state of Iowa, which is, I'm assuming a lot of people there, are probably supporting this uh, this owner, the store owner being thrown in jail and charged with three felonies for selling a substance that is... Sold through a voluntary transaction, and people in this state can vote and have more power. You could argue more power than any other state at choosing at choosing uh, the presidential candidates for that year. So that's enough ranting on ranting on that. Just a crazy, crazy situation. Number five: Uber passenger charged with a hate crime after allegedly assaulting. A Sikh, a uh, you know, the sect of Muslim. Uh, I sound like I'm saying Sikh, a Sikh driver, not a Sikh uh, Muslim. And of course, I mean the thing here that that gets me with this one, obviously, um, you know what's happened here. This Uber, this uh, this Uber driver, this Muslim guy, is uh, this is in Washington State. He's assaulted allegedly by this 21 year old man who was driving around. Um, the guy grabs him by the throat, assaults him and uh, you know the, the driver r- runs away. So it sounds like just a, just a real just a real lunatic here and apparently the guy with the, uh, the passenger, the one who the attacker um, was yelling racist things as well and uh, stuff like that. So Whatcom County in Washington, they have charged uh, this guy, this 22 year old Griffin Levi Sanders, with a you know, felony hate crime charge. And there's actually a new hate crime. There was a hate crime bill passed last year, last year, I believe, signed into law by the uh, Democratic governor, Jay Inslee. And what it did is it clarified the definition of hate crimes and increased the maximum civil liability for those guilty of committing hate crimes from 10,000 to 100,000. So I don't know... How much that civil liability would really factor into this case? Um, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it would. I don't know. That would have, they would have to go to court. But my thing with hate crimes is would it be any different if, uh, you know, this guy just choked him and uh, didn't yell something racist at him? And, you know, maybe they would still assume it was a racist act then, but. You know, maybe he was. Maybe this is just a, a this guy's just a lunatic. You know, maybe he would do the same thing to, uh, you know, to to someone else of uh, the same skin color. I don't know what skin color this. Uh, this that's how crazy this is. If we're talking. We're just talking about purely about skin color, and that's going to dictate how much longer the penalty should be or the crime should be. It's a assault. It's a violent attack. That's what it is. That's what the charge should be, and that's how the person should be sentenced if convicted upon that charge. It shouldn't matter the skin color of uh, the the perpetrator of the attacker of the, of the person doing harm, and it shouldn't matter the skin color of of the victim either. Um, what matters is what is the uh, what's the harm done? What's the uh, What's the abuse? What's the violence? What's the, what's the violent act or the property damage? And that's what matters. Focusing on the skin color just makes this whole thing, just blurs the entire situation. So that's why I want to talk about this one. Um, I know my libertarian fans out there will agree. Maybe my uh, liberal ones will be a little confused on my take. Feel free to come talk about it in the Lions of Liberty Forum. Number six, a female TV reporter seeks criminal charges against a man who slapped her backside on camera. So this is a, a uh, this is in Savannah, I believe, uh, Savannah, Georgia, I would believe, yeah, Savannah, Georgia, and TV reporter was covering a little road race there in Georgia, and uh, she's doing coverage, I believe live coverage, and there's runners, you know, she's, out there there's a race going on there's runners running by and they're waving and doing things like that not touching her though and then some guy runs by and slaps her right in the ass um just a ridiculous thing to do and rightly so um the uh, tv reporter was outraged so the tv reporter alex bozarian why can no one's name be easy to say it's like I see why I see why Brian struggles with this so much. Alex Bozarian, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Filed a sexual battery report with the Savannah Police Department saying she wanted the department to pursue charges against the man identified as Thomas Calloway. And uh, the department told NBC News on Wednesday that a detective had been assigned and the matter is under investigation. So this should be a very easy investigation with the entire thing being on videotape. And not only is this Thomas Callaway guy a, uh, a creep, but he's also a complete moron. <laughs> what do you expect uh, doing this when a camera is, uh, is pointed at you? So just a really stupid thing to do, a, uh, a creepy thing to do. And uh, I don't know what else to say about that. Next up, number seven. A social media influencer will serve 14 years in prison after his plot to take over a website at gunpoint backfired. So check out this story. Um, This one uh, is from CNN. And you're going to have to read this one yourself to believe it maybe. So the social media influencer... Rossi Lorethio Adams II, 27 years old of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Iowa, back in the news again, two times on one felony Friday. So this guy received a sentence, and uh, this was after he was found guilty on one count of conspiracy to interfere with commerce by force, threats, and violence. And uh, this is according to statement from the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Iowa. So the backstory here: Adams, also known as Polo founded a social media company called State Snaps in 2015, and this is when he was enrolled as a student at Iowa State University. A social media account on platforms such as Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter had over a million followers at one point. The statement said the site's content included video and photos of young adults engaged in crude behavior, drunkenness, and nudity, according to the statement. Followers of State Snaps use the slogan Do It For State, and Adams wanted to purchase an internet domain from DoItForState.com to expand his company. Problem, um, somebody else owned that domain name and I guess didn't want to sell it. So Adams, obviously not being a very bright guy, decides you know he can't convince this, uh, this other guy who they don't name. Uh, to sell him the domain name, the the domain name. He's asked multiple times from 2015, 2017, obviously getting upset that he can't get the domain name. And in June of 2017, Adams drives his cousin, Sherman Hopkins Jr., to the home of this domain owner. And Hopkins, a convicted felon, breaks into this guy's house um, with a cell phone. I don't know the significance of having a cell phone, but he had a stolen gun and a taser wearing pantyhose over his head and dark sunglasses. And he also had a note from Adams to the domain owner with directions on how to transfer the domain. So there was no mistake who was who was doing this, obviously. <laughs> so Hopkins held the gun to the domain owner's head and pistol whipped him several times before the man was able to gain control of the gun. During the struggle, the man was shot in the leg uh, before he shot Hopkins multiple times in the chest and then called police. Hopkins survived the shooting and was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Um, Adams, convicted just in April, was sentenced to 168 months in federal prison. And uh, he's been ordered to pay 9000 in restitution, uh, 4000 in prosecution costs, 22000 in attorney's fees. And uh, yeah, so this guy is what an idiot. Well, I remember when we got, so back when we founded Lines of Liberty, and for those of you that don't know the backstory, this was in 2012. And before, so we started with a blog, on um, blogger, if that's still even a thing, which is, through, I think it was, yeah, it was through Google, I believe. And uh, so we wanted to move to Linesofliberty.com. Actually, I think we were able to get lines of, li- lines of Libertycom without any problem. I think what we had to, uh, someone else owned either our Twitter name. Yeah, I think it was our Twitter name. It might have been the Facebook page, maybe both of them. Um, there was a clothing line, Lines of Liberty, and uh, you know, instead of going finding out where the owner lived and go to their house and um, trying to use force, we just asked them if we could have it, and uh, they said okay. <laughs> So we got lucky, I guess. We didn't have to do anything crazy like this. But this does actually – so I uh, I collect domain names. Um, some of them really do increase in value over time if, if you find good ones. Um, biggest mistake I ever made back in um, 2000 – how many times has Hillary Clinton run for uh, president? So she ran in 2016. She ran in 2008. So, this would have been back in 2006. I remember being on GoDaddy and was ready to buy anybodybuthillary.com. And I just didn't do it. And uh, last time I checked, it's like $30,000, $40,000 to get it. So, big mistake on my part there. But also, um, with myself owning so many domain names, I will have to make sure my address is not listed on any of them because I don't want lunatics showing up at my house. Uh, hopefully, I have privacy on all of them because I don't think I do. I will be paying the $5 per year to do that. Okay, next story. What are we on? What are we on? Where are my notes? Um, eight, number eight. California City considers ban on feeding homeless on public streets, sidewalks, parking lots. So this California city is Lancaster. If it was in Pennsylvania, the city in Pennsylvania by the same name, it would be Lancaster. That's how you say it. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. But this is in California, so it's probably Lancaster. And so they have a measure they're trying to pass that would limit the places where you can feed the homeless. If passed, handing out food would be banned on public streets, sidewalks, parking lots, and other city-owned property. Supporters say the measure will cut down on trash, public nuisance, uh, but critics have claimed that it'll make it harder to feed the homeless and could put some lives in jeopardy. Uh, that kind of makes sense. So this is the uh, the mayor very passionate about this this measure uh, passing it, saying a lot of people would come to eat. the people feeding them would leave and the mess would be left behind. We're talking about people defecating in entryways of businesses. It became a public health problem. So that does sound like a public health problem. But stopping to feed the people that already don't have homes doesn't sound like you're solving the problem. That sounds like you're making it worse. Sounds like you're starving homeless people then potentially. Um, I, I don't know what the right move is here. I, I would have to know more about the, the situation. I know Brian's talked a lot about, maybe not a lot, I think I've heard him talk a couple times on, on Electric Liberty Land about really one of the roots of the homelessness is there's just no affordable housing because it's not affordable for builders to build affordable housing because of all the zoning and regulations and different things that come with buildings. So, of course, the people are putting all this money into building apartment complexes and different things like that. Um, in order to recover the money, they have to charge a certain amount uh, that's that's going to be higher than it is uh, than a lot of these people uh, that end up being homeless can afford. So part of the root of the problem would be to, I don't know, get rid of some regulations, make it cheaper to build. So people actually uh, have a profit and it's profitable to, uh, to build uh, low-income housing now, Elizabeth Warren would say, we just need the government to build more houses, but that's been proven over time to never work with Section 8 housing, and it's been a complete disaster. So we should probably never, ever do that again. But feed the homeless. Can we please feed the homeless? And so they're saying we can't do it on public property. I got a solution for that. Let's uh, sell all the public property. Let's auction it off. And let people do with it whatever the hell they want to. All right. Next story. Number nine. Manhunt underway for Texas cop killer after officer was struck at a traffic stop. So very, very uh, sad story here. When anyone dies, it's sad. Uh, what happened? I don't think they've caught this guy yet. Um 21-year-old Tavoris Henderson. He had already been pulled over, so that's how they... I mean, they have his idea. They know who he is. I think he was already partially handcuffed, and he was able to get away. So they, they found that he had a... Uh, I think a warrant for a uh, domestic violence charge on him. So when they saw that, he was pulled over for a traffic stop for something probably stupid, like having a headlight out or something like that. And when, when they uh, they pulled the uh, you know his records... They found the domestic violence charge, and that's when he, he sped away and he he runs over um, uh, Nassau Bay Sergeant Kayla Sullivan, and this is this is outside of uh, this is in, in Houston, and ends up killing her. So, what I wanted to point out here, you know, whenever anyone dies, it's a tragedy, and civilians die all the time. Uh, get hit by cars all the time Um, in accidents or in criminal circumstances, things like that. People breaking the law, you know, might be speeding, might be making a legal turn. They run someone over and kill them. Uh, They don't have manhunts for those perpetrators, uh, for those criminals when a uh, civilian is killed. But when a cop is killed, it's immediately a manhunt. Um, It's the most important thing. Drop everything to find... Um, who is responsible for killing the cop? And I'm not saying that you know the cop's life is worth any less. In fact, I'm, what I'm saying is every life is equal, and I wish that we would treat every life equally because, uh, uh, quite frankly, right now they're not. And in a tragic situation like this, it's just uh, another. Um, another highlight as to the difference in how a crime against a police officer and a crime against a civilian is treated. And there shouldn't be any difference. And if you don't agree with that, I'm sorry. Number 10, Bloomberg says, when I am running for president, I will pack the Supreme Court with anti-gun justices. Of course you will. Is anybody surprised that he said that? Um, chances on chances of Bloomberg winning the Democratic nomination. Um, I'll put it at I'll put it at ten percent. I'll give him one in ten shot. I don't think he really. I don't think he will, but it could happen. I could see a situation where it. Uh, you know, I, I think what's what's what really could happen where he could get it is the other candidates keep disqualifying themselves, just doing ridiculous things. <laughs> putting their foot in their mouth, just not relating to voters. Um, you know, you have Elizabeth Warren, whose her campaign is failing. Uh, Kamala Harris dropped out. Bernie, Bernie's losing steam, and you know, I think the voters are realizing that: uh, Do we really want this old white guy that's screaming about uh, socialism and <laughs> supporting? <laughs> Communists, do you want this guy to be, uh, you know, out leading the charge of the, the, the Democrat Party? Joe Biden, uh, do, we wanna, this guy, do we want a guy who says that he's mad his advisors didn't tell him it was a problem, uh, that his son was getting paid absurd sums of money from a corrupt Ukrainian company? <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> Why is that so funny? Um, how does Joe Biden... like? How does he say that with a straight face? I don't know how he said that with a straight face. Is he that stupid? Or does he think that everyone else is that stupid? Either way, it's just a ridiculous thing. Anyway, I'm, I'm way off. That's how Bloomberg could win. Everyone else is just so incredibly horrible on the Democrat side. Um, so this is what... I'm not going to read this whole thing, I don't think. I'll, I'll say what Bloomberg said. So... He wrote this, it was an opinion piece, where did he write it? Um, opinion piece in the Chicago Tribune. So this is him writing, The last major gun safety ruling by the Supreme Court in 2008 affirmed that reasonable restrictions on gun possession are constitutional, but the NRA has not given up its absolutionist vision of the Second Amendment which is inconsistent with American history, oblivious to public safety, and out of step with the American people. The NRA opposes much-needed fixes to the gun sale background check system, which are supported by 90% of Americans, as well as restrictions on gun possessions for domestic abusers and stalkers. So this is what... Where where do they pull these statistics from? Where's he getting 90% of Americans? This is where you get, like... Um, they, you know will do like a, a poll they'll do like a, a phone a phone poll where they're calling people with landlines and they'll say, so do you support common sense gun control? Uh, do you support enhanced background checks and um, what uh, you know uh, boomer who picks up who picks up their landline phone isn't gonna say, oh yeah I, I support background checks. I support enhanced background checks. Uh, Yeah, I I support closing the gun show loophole. I I support that. I guess that's where you get your 90% from. Um, I I honestly don't think 90% of people want any more infringements on the Second Amendment. It might be 50%. 50% really might want to come down hard with gun control measures. But I don't think it's much higher than that. I I think the, the country's pretty evenly split on this topic. Now, it doesn't help when you have Republicans like Donald Trump and, you know, people who fall in line with him, you know, are doing things uh, coming out, you know, with red flag laws, things like that. Um, Bump stocks, outlying bump stocks is ridiculous. Uh, I got a discussion the other day with someone about this was actually a couple months ago about bump stocks. And they they thought that bump stocks were just a way like they didn't know the origin of bump stocks is actually for someone who's disabled. In order to fire a weapon, it's actually for a disabled person. Now, people will use it obviously in order to to speed the, uh, you know, how, how rapidly you can fire a gun, or how rapidly you can pull the trigger, I, I should say. But there's ways around that. You can you can use your belt loop to uh, to get around that. But the bump stock itself is a tool for somebody who has a disability is is unable to hold that weapon, hold that trigger, and they're still able to fire it. So. Really, if Republicans and Libertarians had any smarts, they would defend uh, bump stocks that way with uh, defending the rights of disabled Americans, equality under the law. But nobody's that smart or uh, cares that much. And they just say, oh, bump stocks, yeah, I'm not going to fight that battle. I'm not fighting the bump stock battle. And that's how we end up where we are, with Michael Bloomberg, who would strip the Second Amendment of any teeth as a, I would say, 10% chance of uh, going up against Donald Trump. And uh, I don't think he would beat Trump, but who knows? He's got a lot of money to throw around. All right, number 11. Only two more. Oh, my God. Woman who's conscious during surgery after anesthesia mishap has nightmares and she says they have been horrendous. So this is an England surprise universal healthcare. A British woman claims she wakes up with horrendous nightmares multiple times a week and suffers post-traumatic stress disorder after undergoing a surgical procedure while conscious. She's seeking legal action from the hospital which has reportedly admitted the liability for the mishap that occurred after she was given the wrong anesthetic. So this woman was getting a procedure, um, something having to do with they were cutting into her belly button. Uh, They were doing a a gynecological surgery. And this was at Yevil Hospital in Bath, England. And she claimed she was screaming, but nobody could hear her because her head was behind a curtain and her mouth was covered by an oxygen mask. Um, well, that doesn't surprise me. Um, knowing how C-sections happen and not saying this this was not a C-section, but the same general area being cut open. Um, in a C-section, generally, the, the woman is not completely knocked out, I don't think, at least from, from what I know about C-sections. So I guess... I guess this woman thought she was going to be knocked out, um, but she wasn't. And probably, what do you expect? I mean, what do you expect when you live in a country with universal healthcare, with universal healthcare, where you're sharing a room likely with six to eight other people? And uh, do you expect to get the best care? Do you expect to get the best people who are working there to have uh, the care? And the pride to do their job in a way where you're going to have the best possible experience. Uh, because if you don't have the best possible experience, then you will badmouth this hospital or possibly file a claim. And then people will stop going to the hospital and everyone will lose their jobs. Nobody will make any money. And uh, the other hospitals will take all the business away. Wait, no, that can't happen. Because there's universal health care and it doesn't matter. The service doesn't matter doesn't matter whatever happens happens they have a mishap Eh, you know maybe they'll file a claim maybe they'll shovel a little money this woman's way and it doesn't matter nobody cares about service it's not about service it's about universal everyone gets the same service everyone gets the same just take that standard down as low as possible and then keep that service the same so you get what you pay for england you get what you pay for Number 12, a buffalo billionaire felon wired and hired. So this is just a funny one to end on here. And you know anyone who listens to this show knows that I am number one supporter of people with a criminal record of felons getting hired, getting second chances, you know, getting skills while they're in prison, becoming welders, becoming carpenters learning a trade, learning a craft, getting out there, making money as soon as they get out of prison, as soon as possible, contributing value to society. I'm all about that. All about it. In this case, I don't think I'm about this one. So this is in uh, Niagara County. So the Niagara County legislator voted on Tuesday, Tuesday, to hire a felon involved in the Buffalo Billion scandal to serve as the county's spokesperson, so this vote was an uh, an eight to five vote, and the legislator approved the hiring uh, the felon here, Kevin Schuller, a politically wired executive at LPC, LPC Minelli, I Minelli, something like that, until he pleaded guilty in May twenty eighteen to two felony charges involving the fixing of a bid to manage the construction of a $750 million Tesla plant in South Buffalo. Ooh, sounds like some crony capitalism kickbacks going on there. Uh, he must have pissed off the wrong guy to not, uh, not get his kickback and to get caught. So Schuler will serve as the county's public information officer, earns $79,000 a year, which is an increase of $10,000 from the job's 2019 salary. And the job entails handling publicity for county government and reporters' inquiries. He's expected to start early next year. He was hired, so a felon who stole who tried to steal, tried to rig a deal, which I'm sure taxpayer money was involved. (laughs) The Republicans legislator has hired him as their PR agent. (laughs) This is just ridiculous. Um, I don't know if they're just so corrupt there that they just don't give a shit or if they're so out of tune that they don't know that this is odd or maybe nobody else wanted the job or I don't know. This is just mind bottling, mind bottling. That's right. Not boggling. Bottling. And like I said, I'm totally in favor of felons getting work, um, getting out there, of companies hiring felons to do what, you know, if they're willing to work, and uh, you know, I'm not going to say that a felon can come out and you know, work in a high level, uh, high level job making six figures right out of uh, right out of prison. That's going to be hard to do um, unless you come out with some you know highly skilled. And still, uh, you're probably not going to get back in the workforce at the high that that high level that maybe you uh, were at when you went in. You're going to have to pay your dues for a little while, but. I'm 100% in favor of hiring felons I, but I just don't understand why Republicans would hire a guy who is so it's see it's not that this would be like um let's say you have a company where you're you know you're selling something and there's a guy that committed blatant fraud and stole a bunch of money from people in like a telemarketing scheme or something and say as soon as he gets out of prison you hire him to manage your telemarketing department. That's almost the same as this. It's just, it's absurd. But anyway, what what do you expect with politics? That's what you get. You get the absurd. And hopefully this episode of Felony Friday was absurd. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully, you will go and read these stories yourself. You'll share this episode with a friend. Tell them to check out Lions of Liberty to uh, subscribe. You can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you got your podcast, and uh, subscribe. You get all three of our shows every single week. Uh, we never, ever miss a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. You'll get your podcast on Christmas. you get your podcast on New Year's. You get it every single Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we don't take any time off. I don't know if there's any other podcasts out there like that. There probably are, but I don't know of them. Every podcast I know, especially in the Liberty Movement, takes time off at the holidays. Not there's anything wrong with that. We just care more. I think that's what it is. We just care about you more than we care about ourselves, which probably is a problem. But we'll worry about that. You worry about subscribing, sharing this show, joining the Lions of Liberty Pride, going to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty, joining at one of our Pride levels. And uh Yeah, we have a uh we have a, a special going on right now where so I talk about at the top of, at the top of the show we have our taxation is death mug. We've had that for a while, but we have a a holiday version of it. A, a Merry Taxation is Death mug has that on the one side, a present to the state. Merry Taxation is Death. Other side, you got the Lions of Liberty with the Santa hat on. It's a beautiful coffee mug. We also have our, our beanie, our, our winter hat that has the Lions of Liberty logo with the Santa hat on it. Awesome beanie. So for new members, new Pride members, if you join for $10. You're going to get the coffee mug for free in addition to everything else you get. If you join for $15, you're going to get the mug and the hat in addition to everything else you get at the $15 level. Check it all out at patreoncom liberty. Also, if you just want to join for 5 bucks, join for 5 bucks, you'll get in a raffle. You got one raffle ticket entered uh in this raffle, the winner, we're going to pull a winner and they're going to get the mug Uh, They're going to get a hoodie. They're going to get a hat. They're going to get a huge bag of our Morning Roar delicious, delicious coffee. And also from there, so if you're at $10 a month and uh, you're going to get two tickets, $15, three tickets, $25, five tickets. If you want to go crazy, join at $50. You get 10 tickets. Join at the $100 pride level and you get 20 tickets for that raffle. So check that out. Patreon.com slash lines of liberty and i am spent i hope you guys enjoyed today's show this is john odermatt signing off always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning